0: We should just do it for that. this is Lucky to Lead. That was so good.
1: Okay. Just drop your best one. Welcome to Lucky to Lead.
0: You're talking shit about me.
1: <laughs> Welcome this is Lucky to Lucky lead. to Lead. Welcome, man. Uh, episode 14. Wow. Lucky to Lead. Wow. Banging them through, man. It seems quick. It's like, uh, like I said before, it's like deployment. Right, the days are long, but the the weeks go by quickly when you're uh, at home in quarantine. So exactly. Um, how's your? Uh, how's everything in your uh, household there, Ronnie?
0: Things are good. We are making it through. Um, good. Excited to get to another episode and yeah. excited to bring yeah. on my mentor, Mike Fortunio from Sleepy Hollow. Mike. Welcome Terrytown. To... Oh, Terrytown.
1: <laughs> Come on. on Terrytown,
0: North Terrytown. God. it's the foot of the can't. Tappan Zee Bridge. <laughs> exactly. As long as you don't call it the Cuomo, you're fine. Exactly. The Terrytowns. <laughs> yeah. We'll incorporate everyone. So how well, Welcome are you? to the show.
2: Absolutely. Welcome. Pleased to be here.
0: Um all right Mike. We are so excited to have you because uh, you've been a mentor to me for a very long time. And uh, actually, uh, why don't we start right there? Yeah. Um, And I think we'll get into your story a little bit, but let's talk a little bit about about the the role of mentorship in leadership. Sure. Well,
2: you have to be, in my opinion, to be a good leader, you have to be a mentor you have to first care about the people that you're leading. What I mean by that is in order to be a strong leader, you have to be somebody who cares about the people that they're working with. All right. So I got into mentoring probably it was about 2012, 2013. My son was on uh, the football team at Sleepy Hollow High School. And he had a number of friends on the team and they were, um, Few of the young men that Ronnie knows, including his brother, uh, another one of, uh, his friends, uh, uh, Ronnie Munoz, and, uh, a few of the other boys were on the team. And, uh, there was a, there was a, just a natural bond. I would go and pick them up, uh, very often and help, uh, drive to practices, whether it was football or basketball or whatever. And you get to talking and you get to know people. And through that process, um, I would talk to, um, uh, in this particular case, Ronnie or your brother, uh, Stephen, about education, because they were older than my son by two years. So where are you going to college? What do you think? Have you taken the SATs? Things of that nature. And in this case, um, some of the the young men did not have um, all of the uh, resources at home uh, that, uh, you know, typically, uh, you know, somebody more fortunate would have, um, especially, uh, many of them were from an immigrant background, a Dominican, uh, background, uh, my grandparents were from Italy. So I do understand the whole, uh, difficulty. It took 84 years for my family to send somebody to college. And that fortunate enough was me. Um, here, I have these young men who are, playing football and they're leaders on the football team and they're also academically uh, capable and strong. But you know to, to get some structure into how to apply to school, what you should look at, what type of professions you should look into uh, was important. So throughout all the conversations we would have, uh, and in particular uh, Ronnie uh, Munoz, uh, we started to talk. I would bring him, along with my son, to visit colleges. And we started to talk about what type of degree he should, he should uh, get. And obviously, you have to have a passion for, for something, but I also wanted to bring forth the fact that, um, up until that point, most of the, the young men were, uh, their exposure to a profession was teaching. And there's absolutely uh, nothing wrong with teaching. It's a, it's a great profession but you should be made aware of other things like law, finance, accounting, whatever it is. Um, and at that point we started to talk and eventually, um, after Ronnie got into school, he majored in accounting and has a job with EY that one of the biggest firms in the country. Um, and, and it's that type, and that's just an example of the type of, uh, of, um, The importance that a mentor should play. You should care about the person. You should um, focus uh, their attention on all of the great things that are out there and expose them to all of the great things. And that's where you come into play because Ronnie Ben Cosme here said, why don't we do this for a broader audience? And we did. Uh, We formed a mentoring group and we brought together all of the, uh, many of the people in our community from different backgrounds, whether it was um, uh, professionals from accounting or finance or law to uh, professionals within the um, you know, more vocational jobs like plumbing and electrical, which are you know, very lucrative and, and, and just great professions. And you expose people to those things and you, and you mentor them, you help them, you, you guide them. And that's what you should do as a leader, whether you're a coach or manager, or you're running a finance department or running a, a legal firm, or you're running a company. You must care about the people that you're associated with. And, uh, you know, you also learn a lot from them. So I know I'm, I'm, I'm going on here, but no, awesome. I, think, I think the key is that you, you you should set out. So, for example, with our mentoring program uh, in Sleepy Hollow uh, in Tarrytown, uh, we would, as I said, we would bring in different uh, people from different professions and we would ask questions. You know, why did you become a lawyer? How did you become a judge? How did you become somebody who ran the finance department? How did you become a, a plumber? How did you become somebody who now runs a, a very successful plumbing company in, in the towns? Uh, you know, what are the benefits? What are the, the hardships? Uh, so, you know, hearing all those stories and then answering questions and then keeping, uh you know, just, just guiding people, you, you can't make the decision for them. What you can do is guide. That's the best you can do. And you should, uh, and, and by guiding and, and caring, you, uh, you know, you form a bond and usually the decisions, uh, that are made are, uh, you know, they're solid decisions. They're based in information. They're based in fact rather than, uh, or, or based in fact, based in information rather than just based in, uh, oh, I feel like doing this or I feel like doing that. And there's nothing attached to it. So like when I, when I guide somebody as far as going into finance, I explain here is the type of salary you could look for. Now, that doesn't mean you should go there if you have no passion for it. It doesn't matter how much money you make or not make, but you should understand where you're going, what it means, where you can go with it, all the different things you can do with it. It's not just one thing. People think, oh, you have an accounting degree, you're, you're a tax guy. No, that's absolutely not <laughs> true. You're a lawyer, you go to trial every day. No, no, you could be in compliance, you could be uh, in, in social work, you could be uh, you know, a constitutional lawyer. It's, there's so many different things. So that's where uh, mentoring is key.
1: Where do you think, Mike, I know, like, I'm sure for every 10 kids that you mentor, there's going to be those two or three that have that resistance, right? That are just like, you've got to do everything for them. How do you deal with that as a leader and and making sure you don't leave those those types of kids behind that just need that extra hump? I know, you know, for us as coaches, we're always, you know, you you spend 90% of your time on 10% of your people. Yes. is that um do you find that in your mentorship and in your leadership that you know how do you deal with those kids that that resist that help right right
2: um yeah it's very difficult and it's definitely challenging um and sometimes to be blunt you can't help them <laughs> you just yep. can't you can again you have to care and you can provide the information you can provide the guidance um as far as like Ronnie's brother, Steven, it was just easy. Uh, the other young man I was talking about, Roddy, it was, it was well, I say it was easy. It was, people were coachable, willing to learn, willing to think, Julio, all of those guys. They were all willing to have an open mind and, and explore things and try things and make mistakes. We all make mistakes. and I'm still making them. Um, but that's, that's key. Now, if you're somebody who's resistant you try and say, and we had a few uh, young men come to our mentoring group, and they would show up once or twice, and then they didn't show up again, and the younger guys went and said, hey, come on back, and they just weren't interested, and I got to tell you that as long as when they're there, that you show, hey, listen, here's my email if you have any questions, if you want to discuss your resume, if you want to discuss where to go to school, or if you're in school, what I'm here. But if not, there's not much you could do. I know that <laughs> people yeah. want to, uh, you're, a mir- you're not a miracle worker. You're a human being. And you know what? Sometimes it may have been something small that you said to them and uh, perhaps that clicked and they don't need your guidance as much as or, or really don't want your guidance. But maybe there was an impact somewhere along the line, right. whatever it is. Um, I can say many of the men who uh, were in, uh, who came consistently. And even some of the ones that didn't, I see them around town and, uh, you know, they're all, they're all doing pretty well. And and a lot of that also, not just our group, but a lot of it goes to their families, mm-hmm. whether mom and dad were at home, had brothers, or it was just, uh, in some cases, just mom raising them. Uh, you, they deserve enormous credit. You know, when you're growing up, you may not think that, you may not think uh, you know, your mother or your father makes such a big impact, but they do. And if, you know, they keep you within the lines, uh, chances are you're going to do okay. I firmly believe that.
1: And is there one piece of your mentorship that you would say, like, whether it was education or whether it was, you know, passion for a job what really motivates kind of that person to pursue that is it is there something that you found that like if they hit this mark what they will achieve or is it kind of a combination of all those factors how to motivate somebody well in in a sense that like do you see okay if if they go to college and get a four-year degree they're going to be fine or if they find a passion in a in a a profession, is that they're going to be okay? Is there something that you kind of, or is it a combination of all yeah. those things?
2: I think it's a, it's a combination, but um, I, I think, and I actually am very uh, passionate about this. Um, I, I think what people mistake sometimes is that you need a four-year degree and you need to go to a four-year college in order to succeed. Um, and they narrowly define education. You go to your four years, you get your accounting or your finance degree or your English degree or whatever it is, and you go off. Statistics show that if you have a college degree, you do better than people who don't. And that's, that's just the bottom line. That's not Mike Fortunio. Right. That's not uh, Ronnie Ben Cosme. It's not Republican or Democrat or anything. It's, it's what it is. Right. That's, that's what the statistics show. Now, also, what they will also show is there's more to education than just college. I'm a big proponent of vocational education. Like I said, whether you get into the electrical profession or you get into a professional plumbing or carpentry or whatever it is, some people just aren't meant to, or, or learn differently. And they're tremendous with their, with their, um, hands. They're much more hands-on and they're much more skillful than I could ever be. That's education too. go get a certificate, uh, in order to, uh, uh better your economic environment and, and your economic situation. That's the key. The key is education isn't just one. Um, there's not one dimension to it. It's it's a whole host. So at what we preached was get an education, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to go for a four-year degree, maybe a two-year degree, and it may be uh, you become a lab technician. What is your passion? How did it get there? It could be much more cost-beneficial not to go to a four-year school. It could be that you become an apprentice, okay, at the, um, w- with, a, with a carpenter or a landscape or whatever it is, and you have that passion. I, if you have passion, you'll, you will be successful. If you can wake up in the morning and be happy in what you're doing. Again, you you need to let's be practical. You do need to make a certain amount of money in order to live a certain place. If you want to live in Westchester County here, unfortunately, it's very expensive, relatively speaking. So you have to know that. But if you're willing to, hey, you know what? I'm not going to make that much money, but I love social work, or I love this, or I love that. Then you know, you you bring in more education to them by saying, you know, there's there's other places where you can live, and there's other You know, you know what I'm saying. There's other areas. You know, not every goal. You know, not everything's so perfect. You have to have an open mind.
1: Uh, That's that's really what trying to get.
0: Mike, one of the one of the incredible things that I learned in my trajectory uh, was when we put together the young men's mentoring program of the Terry Towns. I had no idea what it was, but I learned very quickly that uh, even though I was one of the galvanizing forces for that, it didn't have to be my voice. It's about bringing in the people who knew what they were talking about. Right? The Kirans of the world, the you, Johns of the world. So very early on, I learned that uh, a big part of mentorship and leadership is that it doesn't, like it's, you don't have to have all the answers. Right. My question to you is how do you take that landscape of, not needing to be the pro at everything, so not having that expertise necessarily in every area, but also recognizing that mentorship is incredibly important, how do you bring that to the professional setting? So now you're not talking about high school kids anymore. Now maybe you're talking about new college grads or or even people older than that, right? People older than than you, potentially. How are you yep. doing with those Yep, the best leaders,
2: uh, and, and you see this, uh, over the course of history are people who surround themselves with good people strong people competent people um and and that's how you do it um i don't know all the answers i run the finance group of my company we have different areas of it um whether it's risk accounting uh even hr or uh you know other areas a uh, treasury but you have people you hire people you 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 bring in people who are passionate and competent And they have that expertise. You have to have a certainly uh, a knowledge of these things. And you have to want to learn as well. You as a leader, you want to learn. You want to get up to speed on things. But you don't have to know all the nuts and bolts. If you think you're going to know all the nuts and bolts of everything, you're never going to get anything done. So what you have to do is bring forth the message, a good leader, bring forth a message, set the parameters, if you will, uh, set the stage. Talk about the benefits, talk about the risks, and then let other people who are more expert or closer to the uh, particular, um, you know, endeavor, let them, let them carry it out. Because if you're going to be a micromanager, micromanagers are not good leaders. They're just not. And history, you can see in history, whether it's presidents, it could be uh, football coaches, it could be baseball managers, people who surround themselves with good people, good coaches. You know, you're a manager of a baseball team. You have coaches. and You have football. Uh, you have your defensive offensive coordinator. You have good people. And the other thing is to let them shine, too. If you're going to be, you know, the glory hog, I need to have everything. You know, there are people who have done well with that to an extent, but then eventually they lose credibility. And they have a very... Um, Controversial reigns, whether it's in sports, politics, or
0: business. You know, I love that you got there, and <laughs> I feel like this is where Dave's going to go too. But the idea that we've cre- we've made leadership this thing where it's like, you know, people are following you, and you're like almost a superstar now as a leader. I think that idea takes away from what you just said, which is if you're the focal point you're probably not doing it right. It should be about the people around you. It should be about the people you're leading, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so I just love that you got there. And Dave, I know that you were going
1: to yeah. jump in. So Yeah. I think it's so important that you're willing to, I think as a leader to have the humility to be like, well, it's not just me, you know, yes, I've set the vision, but like the, the work so to speak is on the backs of everybody And I think, Mike, I mean, you can speak to this probably a little bit more in the position that you are. You're probably not as successful with all the people around you. But how hard was that when you were like a younger guy to be able to say, well, I need to surround myself with really good people, but they might be better than me. So they might get the promotion. How how have you kind of navigated that part of your career?
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Well, you have to have a certain amount of security, right? Yeah. Uh, you have to. You you at the end of the at, at the end of the day, you have to get up in the morning and try to learn as much as possible and try to contribute. The way I view it is, ever at the end of every day, even even now, and I started to employ this years back, is that you know I put down a list of the things I want to accomplish in a given day, and I try to accomplish obviously all of them or most of them. Um, and if I can do that, if I can move the ball, up the field using a football analogy, if I can do that, then I've been successful. And the more you move, the more you show your company, uh, the people around you that you're moving that ball, the more secure you're going to be and the much, and, and you'll be much better off. Uh, and, and you'll be more secure in hiring people who are fantastic. I mean, I have a fantastic team now. I have, uh, just they're great. And they're younger than me by far. I could be their father, <laughs> all of them and uh, all of them. Um, and they're great. And I'm not going to sit there and say, oh my God, what happens if, you know, what happens if they bump me off and put somebody else in? I'm going to have to find a new job, but I, you have to also have to be savvy enough to understand that you are the leader. You set the parameters and yeah, you will get the credit. You will get credit. Uh, for doing those things as well, but the goal is for everybody to move forward. If everybody moves forward, that's more success for the team, more success for the company, and and you, you'll see, and and it goes hand in hand. Profits rise and people are happy. Right and in in sports, people win. So uh, right. there people um are let 's at the end of the day, people are much less apt to get rid of people and and pull the rug out if things are going well so right. ha- the The best thing is how do you make things go well? You work hard and you advance the ball yeah. and you 're right about the focal point of uh, really briefly, not to be the old man but our society, especially with Twitter and everything about oh, look at me i 'm the great leader you know. Um, I don't want to get, I'm not going to get into politics. I'll just say in general, especially when you read, and I I love history. When you read the founding documents, you will see that the president wasn't supposed to be the focal point. And, and I use that because everybody talks about the president wasn't supposed to be the focal point. And that goes to show you in this great country, whether you have disagreements with it or not, that's something that, and, and this has taken place over many, many years that, We, you know, you you look at other societies as well, where the leader, the great leader with their big pictures on the wall, that's, you know, that's the end all be all. It's not supposed to be like that. It's not supposed to be like that. You need to, you know, and I'm not being naive either. It works better when you surround yourself with better people, with good people, strong people, and let them implement the policies. And you, as the leader, uh, articulate the vision. Works much better than being the end-all be-all savior because nobody is
0: yeah i love that um i think this is a good moment to to stop and reflect and go back and think mike when was the first what was the first leader that you were aware of in your life and what impact did that person have
2: um does it have to be somebody I know, or it could no, be anybody, any leader, any oh. consciousness
0: you had okay. of like this person's a leader, and that's something that maybe you thought to yourself, "I, I want to do," or maybe you didn't even think that.
2: Yeah, I loved growing up. Um, Like I said, I love history. Love. um, I don't love politics as much as I used to. As far as the, you know what what's going on. Um, but I would say Ronald Reagan was a leader that I, as a young man, uh, looked at um, as the quintessential leader. He wasn't perfect, far from perfect. But he articulated a vision and he surrounded himself with good people. And at the time in 1980, when he was elected, the country had some issues, major issues, economic issues and all. And he brought this spirit out. Um, he was somebody that, uh, you know, I would say was a leader. Uh, While he was in some ways a, this, you know, larger than life figure at the time. uh, And you could see throughout his elections, it was, uh, he wasn't somebody that certainly sought out the limelight like people do now. Um, I would say Tom Landry. I loved sports and I'm a Giants fan, but Tom Landry who actually coached, uh, I think he was the, defensive coordinator for the giants at one time, but he was the coach of the, the, uh, uh, Dallas Cowboys, great leader. He was somebody that had credibility. He was somebody that people followed. You know, you read about Vince Lombardi, the same thing. Those people, um, you know, were, were leaders, uh, that I, that I, uh, happened to look up to, uh, when I was, was younger. I've, you know, you read books on, on people like this. Um, they were, you know, they were tremendous. Uh, you you read, you know, other leaders, Martin Luther King, greatly Look what he did. Look how he uh, was able to uh, uh, lead, really, among, uh, with among others. But the, you know, the civil rights uh, movement. He was a leader. He wasn't. Um, they make it look easy, even though it wasn't. That's when. That's when you know a good leader. They make it look easy. You know. (laughs) So good. You know they. Franklin Roosevelt during World War II. They make it look easy because they know. And behind the scenes, believe me, these people are not uh, uh, wallflowers. They're tough, but they know how to present themselves, and they can marshal support of various and disparate groups. And those are leaders.
0: Uh, You know, one of the things that's fascinating about this conversation is that almost everyone we've had in the past, it's somebody that uh, they knew, they saw, they lived with. And I really love this idea, Mike, because it's very much the reality of the world we live in. You know, I'm fortunate enough to have known great leaders in my life. But that's not the reality. That's not everybody's reality. So this idea that we have a plethora of leaders to learn from in our history. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the things that me and Dave talk about a lot, which is, you know, one day we should just sit down and have an episode where we're not talking about me, you, or him. But instead, all of us are just talking about somebody in history who's had an impact on a leadership level. And let's just break that down because there's so much we can learn from what's already happened. As you know, yeah, no, absolutely. So I really, I really appreciate that. And then one of the things I just wanted to, to to bring out of that conversation is, at what point did you have the consciousness that you could be a leader?
2: Um, I would say you know after I left, uh, I started my career at KPMG, and then I went to JP Morgan, large companies. And then I went to an entrepreneurial uh, startup, a venture back company. It was there. I did not thrive. I had success there, but I did not thrive in a big bureaucratic environment. That's another thing that people often forget, whether they're choosing a school or they're choosing a, a place to work. Uh, when I was going through the ranks, it was, oh, you go to the big investment houses on Wall Street, you go to a large accounting firm, large law firm. That's not always the, your, you know, person's comfort zone. And I learned that. And that's when I started to realize because I started to learn more and more. I started to get, uh, involved in, in deals at a closer level. So I had an accounting degree, but I didn't, I didn't want to just sit there, uh, and book journal entries all day. So that's how I became more of a, um, uh, you know, finance head, uh, rather than, uh, you know, being somebody that wanted to be in the weeds all the time. Because I got, first of all, you have to be in the weeds at one time. And I started to gain more and more confidence doing deals, finance deals, debt deals, then equity. Before you know it, you're you're uh, secure in your uh, thinking, you're gaining more and more knowledge. I started to get my hands involved in everything, whether it was finding space for the company, uh, you know, real estate or dealing with insurance or dealing with HR issues. And before you know it, you become uh, knowledgeable in all these areas. You're not an expert, but you're knowledgeable in all these areas. You have the judgment and then you hire good people. So I would say 10 years into it, to be honest, where I really became more confident, nine, 10 years into it. I became more confident that I can be a leader, and then I slowly but surely went from like an assistant controller to a controller to head of
1: finance. Really interesting, I, Mike. I want to ask: what as a leader now, looking back, what would you say you um, kind of hang your hat on as like this is what I do as a leader? This is like the, one of the things that I do really well. Um, and then also, contrary to that, what what do you feel like you need to work on as a leader? I know that's, that's two yeah, no. questions in there, but yeah, no. if you can speak to kind of what you think you do well and then what you are, are either in the process of trying to make yourself better or you know that it's kind of a, a fault of yours.
2: Yeah, I think uh, as far as I think I communicate pretty well uh, and I think I bond with my um, team pretty well. Uh, and a decent judge of, of talent. And that comes with the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Absolutely. What, what I think. And then when you judge talent, then you hire good people and things of that nature. Um, as far as what I don't do well, which is God, we could be here all night, but um I <laughs> don't ask my wife, but, <laughs> but I would say, um, uh, so, you know sometimes um i i think when it comes to um, articulating a um you know get, i said don't get involved in like all of the details but there are times when you have to mm-hmm. and sometimes you just don't want to get involved in it <laughs> and it, and it, and it may take time and I have to push myself to try to do those things in order to uh, become, um, you know, better equipped. I think, I think the the biggest thing with me is uh, technology. I'm, I'm, I could do spreadsheets and things of that nature, but I'm certainly not as advanced as people, um, you know, younger people and other people who just have a great interest in it. Um, I think, using technology is, is, is fantastic. But if um, I think that's one area that um, if we're having a conversation about, you know, APIs and things of that nature, I I know enough to be dangerous, but I'm not uh, up at that level that I'm comfortable uh, participating and driving forward. I know that technology is important and that we must, uh, you know, obviously use it. I'm a big proponent of it. But when it comes to the technical aspects of it, um, I'm probably, I, I, uh, I need to brush up on it more than uh, uh, some of the other areas.
1: And you speak to, um, I love the communication piece because I think that's one of the themes that we've heard a ton of. Um, but then also the piece of the um, being able to evaluate talent a bit, um, sure. I think is really important. What do you look for in that evaluation? Are there, you know, one or two strong um, kind of traits that you look at when you're evaluating, you know, a a potential candidate to work with you? Yeah, Um,
2: definitely. I look at the person's um, character and how they respond uh, if they seem honest and hardworking. Uh, Once I hear, you know, Oh, you know, I don't uh, like to work on Mondays or, Oh, can we, and now everyone's working from home now, but you know, in, in the old days, like four months ago, if I heard, uh, can we work from home three times a week? You know, that's once you're too high maintenance. Yeah, Yeah, I can't. I I just, I don't have time. Nobody has time. Nobody on the team has time. Nobody at the company has time. I don't want to get involved, but I'm talking about hardworking character um, that's that's really integrity, and then certainly you look at the background of the person um, as far as their their professional uh, background and experience if they can fit the role. But you can have a great resume, and then you know you can tell somebody's high maintenance. <laughs> but yeah. if you if if they they're you know sincere, hardworking, uh, they can articulate how they drove you know drove the ball up the field for their previous companies, then
0: that's certainly a a a positive that I see. Love that. Um listen, I think all those things are what I like what we call repetition. So you're you have all these reps at the job. So you know what good looks like, you know what bad looks like. So with that in mind, I'd love to hear a great leader in your life that you learn something from uh, and conversely a bad leader. And you don't have to, you know, give names, but you know, we yeah, learn as much, I won't. <laughs> we, we learn as much from a bad leader that we do from a, good Oh, world. absolutely. So I'd, we'd love to hear a little bit about a good and a bad in your, in your life at any point. And what sure. you talk like.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I think the bad leader um, is somebody that's selfish. They really don't give a damn about you. They just want to get their bonus. Um, they'll undercut you. They find fault in everything. Um, they they just don't care. So I and 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 I've seen that. Um, it's just not you know you're always waiting for the shoe to drop. And they can be phony in front of you, but you know you could you could see that's a bad leader. Somebody that's all about themselves, and you could and you could tell that. Um, and you could have people who work for you who are like that. Like I said, when I said I made I'm, you know, where if, if somebody's selfish, that's, that's a problem it just is, um, they don't want to share credit. Uh, it's never their fault. Um, if you make a mistake. What I love about the company I work at if you make a mistake, you raise your hand. I made a mistake. I screwed up. Everybody screws up every single person on the face of the earth. And we know that you know, it's, it's cliche, but in order to stand up now, obviously you don't want to make a million dollar mistake, but yeah. I am, I am saying that people make mistakes and, you know, you learn from them and you say, you know, this is what I did. This is why I thought it was going to be the right decision. And you know what? Nobody, very few people are going to um, you know, they don't want the mistake to happen, but you know, it can be easily, uh, you know dealt with, and you could move on the and the good person is the selfless leader to be a mentor too to to really take care um I learned early on when I was at k p m j there' was one uh person who was a a leader and a mentor and and they cared and they they made sure because we were on different jobs they made sure that um, they uh, articulated the vision for that particular engagement. But then in the future, they wanted you on their engagements or they pointed you into a different direction. Oh, you're interested in healthcare. Why don't you go into healthcare clients or you're interested in finance? Come Come with me or I'll introduce you to this banking partner. Things of that nature. They took an interest in you and they wanted you to do better. They corrected you when correcting was needed but they did it in a way that wasn't condescending. They did it in a way that, you know, caring.
0: That's uh, that, that's incredible. I, I just think that, Number one, I know we're coming to an end here. I wanted to just take a moment to to kind of reflect on uh, we hit so many topics so right we started that mentorship, which I think we all agree is, is, right. a, is an incredible part of leadership, yeah, and uh, we took that to the professional space and all throughout our conversation, uh David and I, while not not wise, uh we did think that no matter who we interviewed, it would come down to a few core things. So I just want to highlight that we talked a lot about communication, talked a lot about trust. Authenticity mm-hmm. came up mm-hmm. in one way or another. Mm-hmm. David, am I missing anything that you think we hit on today? That- well,
1: I also think in maybe we didn't talk about it um, or maybe we didn't articulate it, but I think the language that you used, right, I think is super important as a leader. Um, how, you know, you can phrase something in a way that, could uh that you could take it as criticism or you can take it as a positive and i think as a leader it's really important that your language is um is on point um, yep, for of lack course. of a better way to articulate it so, um, i think it's critical especially in 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 the financial world um you know where a decision or um uh, a way that you phrase something could cost you um and i think that's yep. one of the questions that um you know, that as we wrap up here, I mean, how is it difficult when there is a lot on the line there? Um, How is it, you know, how do you kind of process that piece when there is a lot, a lot of money on the line without going to like, I got it. I'm going to do it. It's mine. Rather than staying with your leadership kind of focus. How do you balance that? Um.
2: Just so I understand are you, you're, you're asking I, I apologize I, I didn't no sign. no
1: no it's fine I'm not, probably not doing a great job of articulating but how if, you know there's a, a big deal that's to be had yep how do you trust everybody in your your, your kind of circle yep. to take care of that advice you jumping in and saying hey because what I've heard again yes. I'm not a yes. financial guy yeah you know I've heard that if there's a dollar on the table, Right. In in your world. Yeah. yeah. Everybody is going to try to rip your head off yeah, for that dollar. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. How no, no. do you trust that, that process? Yeah. I,
2: again, uh, whether we're closing a, a debt deal or something, we need financing for our company in order to finance other companies. Um, when when we know what the objective is, what's the objective here? The objective is to get financing, the objective is to get equity or whatever. You then meet with your team and you articulate what needs to be done and you, you know, you know the people that can get you there. And you just have to trust yourself because you've been doing it. You've been, you, this shouldn't be anything new. You do it every day, yeah. whether it's small or large, you should be, you know, you do it every day, you know. This person A, person B, person C, they do all of these things. Uh, you know, I have to do what I do. And if we all do that, then chances are, you know, the deal will close. But maybe it's a bad deal. And we find out through our analytics right. that it's not a good deal. Then you have to learn how to walk away. So
1: those I, are the I things think, that are important. You know, I think we, we talk a lot about that process part right? Mm-hmm. Of, of you got to have the people and you got to have the process. Yeah. Um, and I think that uh, you you speak to that very, uh, very well of the fact that, you know, you can't just jump ship because you think or you feel like you got to do something more. You have to really, if you're a good leader, you've set the process in motion and you've okay. got to trust that to follow yes. Yes. through, to whether good or bad. Um, one one last I thing you, I would like to deviate, say. That.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, please. I, I would like to say that you also, as a leader, uh, you have to be tough. But that doesn't mean screaming and yelling tough. What that means is you have to be resilient, uh, and you have to be willing to change course at times. Um, and not everything's going to be perfect. Not everything's going to be perfect. If you think everything's going to be perfect, forget about it. You know, you're not. It's not going to be. Nothing's perfect. Everything's going to be, there's going to be aggravation in any deal and anything. It's just the way it is. Um, nobody's, nobody's changed that throughout history. Um, and I also think reading, reading history, I know I, I always talk about this, but and regardless of what your viewpoints are, reading history, whether it's business history or political history or just history of uh, you know, human nature and things of that nature, to understand human nature is also very key to being a good leader understand how what makes people tick that's very very key and we all have our blind spots we all at times are selfish we all our times are greedy we all are at times you know impatient and you just have to understand that you know so when I hear people go oh my god I just interviewed this person I'm such a superstar I, I'm I wince <laughs> I got questions, <laughs> but that's the why uh, that's, that's, you know, nobody's a super I really, so to be obnoxious you, like that, but no, I really
0: mean that <laughs> you beat, you beat us to it. Okay. Um, so the question that we usually ask is what is one resource you would share that you use in your leadership? So you talk a little bit about history, you have yeah. a favorite book that maybe yeah. you a lot from there's,
2: uh, there's so, I mean, um, I'll, I will tell you this. Um, I, I read the paper every morning, despite what's going on, and it can be very depressing nowadays. I don't care what, again your views, but I would say read substantial papers, periodicals, watch shows, you know, like on CNBC, the business show, I did morning, um, Scork box or something like that. If you want to get a uh, business wall street journal, New York times, whatever it is. And again, it doesn't matter your, your views, you know, you can read, you know, periodicals that you may disagree with. It's an amazing thing. I know people don't do that anymore, <laughs> but I do like to read all different, uh, and I may sit there and say, I don't agree with that, but you can read it. D- you know, the Yankees scout, the Red Sox. So, my, my point is the Giants scout the Cowboys. The Cowboys, you, you need to be equipped with what's going on in the world. And you need to be equipped by reading different uh, newspapers and, and listening to different points of view. And you, then you make your own decision. But by being equipped with this information, what's going on in the economy, what's going on with interest rates, what's going on socially, what's going on with this movement, what's going on in the presidential election. You, you become more well-rounded and you can respond, you know, at your job, your profession or whatever, in a much more, um, you know, I think competent way. than if you just live in your little bubble.
1: That's just my
0: experience. We, uh, I love that. (laughs) Awesome. I know Dave does too. That is how we live our lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, so we're we're at the end of our time. We are actually a minute over where we promised you. So we we apologize for taking your time, but Um, I just wanted to say uh, how impactful this episode was. How thankful I am you came on. Thank Um, you
2: so much. No, it was wonderful. It was it was great. Make sure you cut out the bad parts.
0: (laughs) 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 No, that was that was incredible. Uh, And just like that. We appreciate it. Episode 14 with New Mike Fortunio. Oh. Nice, Thank you,
2: guys.